Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The opinions expressed on this WebmasterRadio.fm program are those of the host, guests, and callers, and do not reflect those of the staff, management, or advertisers of WebmasterRadio.fm. Any rebroadcast or retransmission of this program without the express written consent of WebmasterRadio.fm is prohibited. All rise. Welcome to the Cyber Law and Business Report. Get the top story on the hot-button Internet legal topics of the day. This is your home for the latest on Internet law and policy. Hear the latest net trends impacting business and have your questions answered right here. This is the Cyber Law and Business Report. Now, please welcome your host, the founder of the Internet Law Center, Bennett Kelly. Good morning, and this is Bennett Kelly with the Internet Law Center here in Santa Monica. Um, The Internet Law Center is a... Um, law firm specializing in internet law, as you might guess, and um, we also publish a newsletter called the Cyber Report, actually an award-winning newsletter. And uh, we're happy to have you t- again today. Please be seated. We've got an interesting show for you today. We're going to talk a little bit about um, cyber election fraud, and um, we have a guest scheduled in the second half of the show who's actually the, a victim of a, a cyber f- election fraud scheme where emails were sent out under his name during the heat of a campaign um, saying, attributing to him a very unpopular position for the race. And, um, and so we'll be talking about that as well as um, there was a recent test done and you know, election machines were able, were able to be hacked in quite easily. Now, the region we're going to be talking about today is the state where the, uh, the cyber um, election fraud occurred is in a region that is known as the it's the area the size of Washington. It has a gross domestic product that's larger than Florida, a population larger than Illinois. It has three of the ten most densely populated states, and three of the top ten states in the Milken Tech Index. And we're talking about New England, so it's only fitting. Um, this is a popular time to go to New England, um, given the fall and the foliage. And um, a lot of the top stories, it just so happens right now, are happening there. Um, last week, we had um, the Free Press on to talk about their lawsuit in favor of net neutrality that was filed in, in federal court in Boston to try to get a review of the FCC's net neutrality order. And um, since that time, Verizon has filed another lawsuit challenging the, the FCC's net neutrality standard. And that now has been... Um, in Washington, D.C., and so the um, free press lawsuit has been moved down to Washington, and the free press purposely filed the lawsuit up in New England 
um, because of an earlier um, adverse ruling for the FCC in before the court in D.C. And so it's believed that that move um, gives um, Verizon and the anti-net neutrality forces somewhat of an advantage as the case proceeds, but um, it all depends on you know, obviously the merits and the judges who are assigned to the case. But so so far, that is a, a small setback for that neutrality in um, in the first stages. And um, while we're talking about Massachusetts, um, there is a um, there was a recent case that came down on its data breach law, and it upheld the decision. Um, it was a decision dismissing a case, finding that um, you could not finding no private action for um, a data breach where there had been no harm for the consumer. Um, but in terms of New England, for those of you who aren't familiar with it, New England consists of six states, and one of, and it is not New York. Um, we're talking about Maine, New Hampshire, Vermont, Connecticut, Massachusetts, and Rhode Island, um, we'll be, which we'll be talking about in the second half of the show when we talk about the election fraud. Um, but in terms of the states, Maine... Um, is um, very well known um, for its lobster, but um, we've had several. We've had a guest from the show. Um, it has a, a fair amount of internet activity up there. Um, Trevor Hughes, who is the founder of the Network Advertising Initiative and he heads the International Association of Privacy Professionals, is based out in York, Maine, and um, as is um, Jane Hitchcock, who heads um, Halt Online Abuse. Um, she's also based in Maine. So there's several notable Internet personalities in the Maine area. And um, right now there's a call by Maine Senator Susan Collins to have the current deliberations of the super committee um, that's meeting in Congress um, to, um, pair, to arrive at um, some consensus on um, the budget and deficit issues. Um, she's actually called for that to be um, broadcast um, simulcast over the web and um, at the same time you have um, Olympia Snow the senior senator from New England and from Maine who is um, at one point was a net neutrality supporter um, but she now faces um, she's a very moderate Republican she now faces a challenge on the right from a Tea Party candidate in, the, in a primary in 2012 and so now she's reversed herself and is actually um, opposing net neutrality. Um, moving to the west, um, we have New Hampshire, and here's an interesting story. Actually, um, last night was the um, Bloomberg um, Dartmouth debate um, for the Republican candidates for president. It was held at Dartmouth College in um, Hanover, New Hampshire, and. Um, one of the candidates in the debate is a, a former senator from Pennsylvania named Rick Santorum. And Santorum has been highly critical of Google um, because of um, certain – he's become the victim of uh, a certain um, cyber ab abuse in some ways. Um, Santorum um, was notable during some of the debates on the Defense of Marriage Act, and um, he made some quite provocative statements – one of which was that compared um, that compared um, marriage, um, gay marriage, to that of a man and a dog, and so 
it was so provocative that it, it provoked um, quite a response from the gay community. And um, in fact, here is the quote: um, "In every society, the definition of marriage has not even um, has not ever, to my knowledge, included homosexuality." That's not to pick on homosexuality. It's not, you know, man on child, man on dog, or whatever the case may be. Um, in response, the uh, the gay community has created a site um, called Spreading Santorum, and it has a definition of Santorum that reads, the frothy mix of lube and fecal matter that is something sometimes the byproduct of anal sex. And then the other definition is Senator Rick Santorum. And unfortunately for the candidate, when you Google Santorum, the Spreading Santorum site comes up first. They've done an excellent job at SEO. And so Santorum's been very critical of Google and suggested that um, that, that wouldn't be taken down where, where a Democrat who is being criticized, which actually isn't the case. Um, they've actually um, have left stuff up um, that have been critical of of Democrats, although they have stepped in sometimes to address certain issues. Google is very reluctant to get involved in this area. But you may recall during the Bush years, if you typed in the words miserable failure in a Google search, up came a site that was critical of the president at the time. And um, Google corrected that search <laughs> that search result. And um, But otherwise, Google has taken a hands-off approach. And... Um, in fact, Google's proposition is that their search results are a reflection of the content and information that is available on the web. Users who want content removed from the Internet should contact the webmaster of the page directly. Well, I don't think they're going to be – Senator Santorum is going to find much of a common ground um, with the people with spreading Santorum. But um, it, I'm, I'm not sure if this is a hindrance or, uh, or not for the senator, but um, his candidacy hasn't been going very far anyway. But um, – if you do check it out, you just type in the word Santorum in Google or imagine some other search engines as well, um, you're likely to get that result. Um, one thing that's interesting about New Hampshire is that I've, a lot of people wonder why is it that they're given the privilege of having the first choice in a primary as to who should be the president in, in both the Democrat and Republican Party. And um, and I always thought, thought that was kind of odd that you have a state that's – you know, not as urban as many states, also very white, um, not not very diverse. But the one thing I actually campaigned there one year in 92, and the one thing that struck me about New Hampshire was that they take it very seriously. Um, one statistic I saw was that over half of the candidate, half of the voters have seen one of the candidates in person. In fact, many of them see many of the candidates in person or seen one, one candidate multiple times. And so they take a certain level of responsibility you don't see in other states. So I actually think it's a good thing New Hampshire has the role it has because uh, if it were to move to another state, I can't imagine that they would take it with the same level of seriousness and responsibility that they do. And it, it's not just because um, New Hampshire has the, the primary. It's also part of this whole culture of New England, the, the town hall meeting. And um, you know, this is really just an extension of that. And so New Hampshire, because of its history in that regard, is well-suited for the role of the kind of the first screener in, in the presidential process. The other thing is New Hampshire is relatively small, which allows candidates to – if you, you invest a lot of time there, um, you can kind of break out. The downside, though, is that it is – well, maybe small. certainly not cheap because you have the Boston media market. And you also have to buy – to reach New Hampshire, you have to buy 
um, television in multiple media markets that um, can be quite expensive. Um, moving a little bit to the west is Vermont. And um, Vermont recently had a case um, that really kind of fills the Federal Trade Commission recently busted um, as a, someone who was selling online um, Vermont maple syrup that wasn't maple syrup, it was sugar cane. And that had that was big news in Vermont, apparently. <laughs> and um, but in this, uh, Bernard Coleman is facing um, charges by the food and actually, I misspoke, it was the Food and Drug Administration that busted him for selling um, something as Vermont maple syrup. And he faces a one year prison term and a ten thousand dollar fine. But Vermont is significant in terms of the internet because not um, not so much what happens there. Um, but because of um, who resides there, the current chairman of the Senate Judiciary Committee is Patrick Leahy, who is um, from Vermont. He's Vermont's um, first and only Democratic senator so far, um, although he's also the second longest serving um, senator in the Senate today. Um, he was elected and um, he first came to the office in 1975 following the, the Watergate elections and um, – so he's been there quite some time, but he's been very influential in pushing for copyright reform and giving greater um, rights to um, you know, the recording industry to enforce their copyrights. He's actually a big move, uh, music buff. Um, he was friends with Jerry Garcia. He was a former deadhead himself. And actually, um, he, when he was in law school at Georgetown, he managed to get tickets to the Beatles' first appearance. Um, at the Coliseum, Washington Coliseum, which is no longer exists, I believe, and he he actually invited a classmate of his to come along, and his classmate said no. He said the Beatles were just a fad, and um, when he asked uh, some of the reporter asked him to name who the classmate was, Leahy's response was, um, "I'd rather not say it, but you know, given that his judge, given his judgment, the Beatles, it shouldn't surprise you that his legal career wasn't that spectacular either." So. Um, that covers northern New England, and um, but move south. There's a big issue in Connecticut, and um, there we have. You recall last week we talked about the Amazon wars in California, and um, you know there after a big battle with um, the state of California, Amazon came to a more or less a peace treaty with the state, in which they agreed to make certain investments for a one-year truce. And in return, um, Amazon agreed that it would start collecting taxes next year if there's no um, national tax system in place. Well, um, Amazon is also in the process of negotiating a similar deal in Tennessee. Um, the state of Tennessee is they're talking about um, creating um, additional jobs there, building certain warehouses there, much like um, that what is going on in California. The uh, Tennessee uh, agreement um, with Amazon is that they will begin in collecting and paying sales tax, um, and they've committed to building distribution centers in three cities and expanding its investment to $350 million and the creation of 3,500 full-time jobs. Um, so, uh, you know, the Tennessee is one of the states that had passed the Amazon tax, and, and so this is definitely up in the ante there. Um, and so maybe Connecticut's hoping they'll be next. And uh, what, that remains to be seen. They're, they're trying to take a tough line with Amazon, saying they, that it is their position. They've also sent letters to Amazon and Overstock that it's their position that this is covered 
um, that are covered by the law, that they do have a physical presence, that this is enforceable. And so in Connecticut, it's obviously a, a sizable state and one of the most wealthier states in the country. So this could be an important showdown for Amazon. And um, so but right now we're in the initial stages of that, and it remains to be seen um, how, how far this will go. Given Amazon has, has changed its posture, it is now actually entering settlements. Um, well, it would be interesting to see how where, what they do next. Um, now, as you recall, last week, um, Rebecca Madigan was talking about um, the fact that Amazon will actually be speaking at the um, Performance Marketing Association's conference on the 25th in Washington, and um, and they'll actually be you know, kind of maybe tipping their hand and, and giving us some insight as to how Amazon intends to approach this issue. So if this is an issue that's important to you, I suggest you check out the Performance Marketing Association website um, for the conference, which is, I believe, is October 25th in Washington, D.C., just at the, um, the Marriott um, in Woodley Park, just north of DuPont Circle and just south of the zoo. So um, we're going to take a short break. When we come back, we're going to talk about the latest in the um, border wars over the um, privacy issues in the border bankruptcy. And we'll be talking about um, cyber election fraud after these messages. Brasco? Stay tuned for more of the Cyber Law and Business Report after this brief recess for our sponsors. Hey, this is Danny Sullivan to talk to you about Bruce Clay Incorporated. They've made Inc. Magazine's list of growing private businesses and have exhibited and sponsored at my conferences since the very beginning. You've seen their search engine relationship chart or you've read their SEO code of ethics, so you know their SEO experts. But did you know they can help you with PVC, web analytics, web design, marketing strategy, promotion, and branding? Yep, get everything you need for success in the online marketplace. You can check it out from the professionals at Bruce Clay Incorporated. For over 10 years with offices worldwide, they've got the answers you need. Check them out today. MySEOTool.com is your all-in-one SEO management resource. MySEOTool.com makes it easy to optimize and oversee all of your SEO efforts. Line-by-line detailed reports help you identify any problems and show you how to fix them. MySEOTool.com is completely automated. Once you use it, you will see a rise in your search rankings and traffic. Try my SEO tool risk-free today. Go to myseotool.com. Myseotool.com. Oh yeah, my day is done. Time for happy hour. You're already done for the day? Yeah, because I use certifiedknowledge.org. Their PPC tools literally save me hours every day. How do you keep on top of all of Google's new features? Easy. With Certified Knowledge, their interactive learning modules keep me up to date. And if there's something I don't know, I can watch their video lessons without having to hunt around the Google help files. Great. I'm ready to expand my knowledge. Hi, I'm Brad Geddes. I'm the only leader officially supported by Google to teach the advanced track of the AdWords Seminars for Success. I personally recommend CertifiedKnowledge.org as your one-stop shop for all your PPC needs. Learn. Optimize. Connect. Be smart. Go to CertifiedKnowledge.org now. Open your windows for a breath of fresh air. WebmasterRadio.fm And hey, Mac, we're here for you too. WebmasterRadio.fm. We're everywhere. The best gavel-to-gavel legal news and information on the net is right here. This is the Cyber Law and Business Report, only on WebmasterRadio.fm. 
And we're back. This is Bennett Kelly, and um, good to have you. Um, we have a little bit of echo. Sorry about that. Any event, um, we are talking about um, cyber election fraud in a little bit, and we're, we're c- covering a number of issues that are seem to be all located. Um, just because they're hot issues, all seem to be located in New England. So this is our, our fall foliage tour via via the um, web radio, and um, so stop and take a picture when you think it's appropriate. But let me just um, give you, if you just joined us, what we talked about so far is um, what is going on in Connecticut with the Amazon tax, and um, there is a um, the governor is um, going after. Um, Amazon and um, other retailers, and um, saying that you know it's their position that the law applies, and that they should um, step up and pay the tax. And Amazon and Overstock and others are saying um, they don't believe that's the case. And so um, it's still the early stages, but this could become a, a fight. Um, and some states have actually taken the position that their law. Even though to in many in the internet is is a, a major change, but that the adoption of the um, Amazon tax was really just a restatement of existing law, and so the problem then becomes is they try to apply that retroactively, and several states I've, I've encountered have have taken that approach, and so even if you have terminated your aff- affiliates in state. Um, they're still going to go after you um, for the um, for the years even prior to enactment of the Amazon tax. Um, it's in one state I dealt with actually. Um, they, they took the position that this was not a major tax change; that it really was just a, a restatement of existing law, and that there was nothing new about it. Um, but um, I pointed out to them that. Well, it's interesting that if you consider it to be, uh, you know, kind of mundane and ordinary, but your press release in addressing the law had the headline "Major Tax Law Changes," <laughs> and um, but they they still were unwavering in their position. So, because they, you know, the states are under a fiscal crunch, and so um, the the states um, they're being directed by the policymakers to be very tough and try to get as much money in the, as they can. Um, so, look for this to be. Um, p- potential battle. I think we'll know a lot more after next week when Amazon talks um, about um, their their view on this in, at the um, Performance Marketing Association convention or um, tax summit they're having in Washington. And um, if you're interested in it, you definitely should check it out. But um, also going on right now in New England is um, well, it's actually a New York-based company is Barnes and Noble, but Barnes and Noble has been able is acquiring the database from Borders, the now defunct um, comp- competing um, brick and mortar bookstore. And um, it was recall what we talked about last week was there was a big controversy over it due to the fact that the Borders privacy policy said that uh, at one point at least said that the data would never be transferred without the user's consent. And this is clearly contrary to that. Um, this Connecticut senator. Um, Blumenthal, who is the former state attorney general as well, um, has taken um, quite a strong position on this, and he believes that that 
and what is going on with the border sale is that profiting from personal, sometimes sensitive consumer information illustrated by this regrettable arrangement is spreading perniciously. Um, Blumenthal said that this settlement points to a clear and urgent need for stronger and stringent protections for consumer privacy. The settlement reached between Borders and Barnes & Noble is wholly inadequate and unacceptable. Consumers are unprotected unless they explicitly opt out. Instead, their specific consent should be requested. In addition, Barnes & Noble and other corporations acquiring huge volumes of consumer information must demonstrate safeguards to prevent breaches of such data. So Blumenthal, he's a a junior senator, um, but and has was the former attorney general for the state, where he was quite aggressive in dealing with these issues. it's kind of sending a shot across the bow that um, this issue is not over. Um, in addition, the Federal Trade Commission has posted a link on its site that um, gives instructions for how consumers may opt out of having their data transferred to Barnes & Noble. So um, th- it's an issue that is causing some a bit of a buzz in Washington and some of my rancor. And so... Um, this will be uh, something to watch also going forward. I think you'll, um, you may even possibly see this revisited and um, whether or not this requires an amendment, for example, to the bankruptcy code uh, and to provide either some mechanism for consumers to express their concern um, or something of, of that effect to protect consumers. <laughs> Excuse me. <coughs> to protect consumers in, in such circumstances. But because in bankruptcy, you have a unique situation because you have the trustee, the judge, um, whose his purpose is really to maximize the assets available of the bankruptcy estate so they can then be distributed to the creditors and the um, whatever um, who else is left in line at the bankruptcy and usually the first in line is surprise surprise the IRS and then second would be the secured creditors and down the line so um, you know, from a bankruptcy trustee point of view consumer privacy isn't a priority what is a priority is maximizing the dollars that go into the bankruptcy estate so possible you know, look for a possible um, exploration of that issue as we move forward um, down the line. And um, so now moving back to the state of Massachusetts. And today is what is known as Free Thought Day because today is the anniversary of the termination of the Salem witch trials um, on the behest of Massachusetts governor, who more or less had found out um, what was going on in Salem and expressed great concerns over how the trials were proceeding and, and to the extent to which um, the evidence being adduced uh, was not necessarily empirical evidence, but people speculating about the spiritual nature of the, um, the, of the people being tried, or I should say the victims. And um, much of the, much has been made out of the, the Salem witch trials. In fact, it's it's actually a cottage industry in Salem. There's a big witch museum. And if you've never been, it's actually quite a cute city. But um, it turns out that what really was affecting or afflicting the, the women at that time was the fact that there was a nearby field that had wild mushrooms. 
so that the the people were not afflicted with witchcraft. They were just tripping. And so I, 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 my challenge to um, archaeologists and, and researchers is to find the first high dye made in Massachusetts. I wouldn't be surprised if it's around that time. And But um, the reason why it's called Free Thought Day obviously is um, people expressing concerns over the intolerance and um, the way that the religious leaders were able to lead um, an otherwise um, sane population into a very crazy endeavor in um, trying these, these poor women as witches. And uh, so it is not called um, Free Thought Day because tomorrow the thoughts will be six for a dollar, um, just to make that clear. Now, New England has been quite prosperous. Um, it is of the um, states that it has some of the higher um, has some of the higher you know, income per capita is the, among the top gross domestic product producing states. So it's been prosperous back from the original days of the um, Industrial Revolution and also the Tech Revolution. A lot, it wasn't just happening in Silicon Valley. It started also in the area known as Route 20, 128, a highway that leads to Boston, and, and largely because of the strength of the, the educational institutions there. And I think um, what people looked at when they saw the growth of the tech industry in California and Massachusetts was they saw the important role that education plays and particularly research institutions um, play in developing um, the, kind of the, the growth of the tech economy. Um, so, but um, the um, in a second, we are um, trying to. We're, one other thing about New England, um, if you've never been this time of year, it's actually quite striking. Um, usually when I was a kid, I grew up in Rhode Island, and as a kid, Columbus Day weekend was a weekend we um, often went canoeing. And um, we, would, we would go down um, among the area rivers, and it was really quite a sight because what you would see um, – what you would see would be um, – just a reflection of the of the foliage in the water, and it was just it's it's not that cold. It's kind of a nice time of year, and then just the kind of the being on the water and seeing the reflection of the foliage, and it's a very pretty scene. And so, if you've never been to New England in the fall, um, I definitely recommend it. Um, so, any event, we looks like we have a question: Is there a way to resecure an expired domain? Without paying the grand or two for UD, UD RP arbitration with ICANN. Also, it may be pertinent that the domain is featured on published materials, etc. Um, and the question on the UDRP proceedings, let me back up and address. So, there's a question on the chat board about uh, reacquiring domains. And generally, you have two options, whether if you have a domain that's being used that is, is really yours or your trademarks and, um, and without your consent. And one of them is, is a process um, through ICANN, which, is the, uh, which regulates the Internet um, domain system. And they have a process where you can um, file a, an arbitration, and it's, everything's done by paper, so you don't have to go to court, and it's relatively cheap. 
and you challenged someone else's, you know, filed your a domain with your trademark or your name in bad faith, and that they have no legitimate use to it, and that you're entitled to it, and um, and generally, you know, if you have to show two things. You have to show one, you have a legitimate interest in the name. So, for example, if you're sure, if you're a business name, then clearly you have a trademark right. Um, and, and also, you have to show that it was done in bad faith. And you know, there have been cases where you know people like Sting or um, Steinway um, pianos have lost because you know the people who, who are using it, you know, they may have had. Um, a, a proper purpose for the name you'd be prior to Sting or Steinway pianos coming along, so it's um it's an option to pursue. It's relatively you know, inexpensive, but in terms of getting the domain back, um you know you might want to just try bidding for it. If it you know often there these sites are not acquired by an individual, but they're reacquired by the registrars and then they're you know auctioned off. So I would um, look to see what, what, how much it would cost to get it back um, before I would file a UDRP action because then that might save you some money. But um, hopefully that addresses the question you had. Um, as always, these, the, anything advice we give here is for information and entertainment purposes only. This does not constitute legal advice. Um, unless it has been sanctioned by um, three out of three dentists. Um, so um, we're going to take a, another short break, and hopefully when we come back, we'll have our um, guests from Rhode Island after these messages. Stay tuned for more of the Cyber Law and Business Report after this brief recess for our sponsors. From the creators of We Build Pages, experience the power of the Internet Marketing Ninja. An exclusively trained army of nearly 100 in-house ninjas. Mastered in the arts of social media, local marketing, content creation, SEO reporting, and yes, link building. The Internet Marketing Ninjas will release a new version of their legendary tools to the public. Visit the Internet Marketing Ninjas booth at PubCon 2011 Vegas or visit imninjas.com. The Ninjas are coming. Looking for a white-label SEO and social platform for your clients? Think eBrands. Free and unlimited SEO audit reports. eBrands. Premium Facebook apps and welcome page creators. eBrands. Twitter management app, analytics, and mobile site generators. eBrands. Let eBrands manage your search and social media campaigns and give you and your clients access to their white label dashboard, which have great reports that will wow your clients and deliver great ROI and results. Try eBrands for 30 days. Go to eBrandsWithAZ.com or call 1-866-625-5717. That's eBrandsWithAZ for eBrands. WebmasterRadio.fm. Keep your headphones handy and the feed loaded. We never stop. Do you? The best gavel-to-gavel legal news and information on the net is right here. This is the Cyber Law and Business Report, only on WebmasterRadio.fm. And we're back. Um, you know, cyber abuse and cyber fraud have become part of everyday life. We're all used to seeing the emails from um, some purported prince in Nigeria, Liberia, 
to homey, you know, wherever, you name it. Um, and you know, that's just become part of our daily fabric of life. But one thing that hasn't really occurred or we haven't really thought much about is what happens when that comes into our politics. And there was an interesting decision brought that came down this week. I mean, came down earlier um, this month was um, in, in the state of Rhode Island. And it involved an instance of um, cyber fraud where a political opponent of a, can, a can, state assembly candidate, um, Representative Doug Gablinski, who represents an area in, in Bristol, Rhode Island, and he opponent of his, or actually people uh, supporting his opponent, a union leader, um, sent an email out under his name, set up a Gmail account under his name with a one difference in the spelling. So it wasn't quite exact. And sent out an email saying that the, Doug Lubinsky supports um, establishing a toll on a local bridge. And, of course, you know how popular tolls are. And it was a very relatively close race, and it tipped the election the other way. And um, and so what happened, well, the follows is actually an interesting um, issue because it goes to what extent uh, is should this be prosecuted? And if so, then what are, what are the punishments? Um, and in this case, um, there were at one point it was um, thought to be uh, considered a uh, an act of impersonating a state representative, which actually has is an offense, um, and or, or a computer crime. Um, but ultimately, what the defendant was charged in was stalking, and it was a, a crime of cyber stalking, and um, and he was convicted. He he tried to argue that. The emails that were sent were a parody, um, but that was quite that was somewhat unsuccessful. And um, but um, the interesting thing is that to what extent um, has he been punished? Because um, after the charges were f- filed, he received a promotion by the union and um, a significant promotion to being vice president of the, the area union. And um, in addition, his fine was something in the area of about $185. Um, so, you know, Representative Globinski, who we hope he was going to be able to join us today, but apparently he seems to be having a conflict, um, he lost his position in in the assembly. Um, but it's the guy who's been convicted of the crime has to pay $185 but has been promoted by the union. It's caused quite an uproar within Rhode Island because of the – Question of what you know is the is the union um, not being responsive to concerns that exist about cyber stalking in general? In fact, one of the most prominent um, columnists for the local paper, the Providence Journal, has said that this is really a lesson that crime pays, and so it's uh, definitely um, Representative Glubinski made some political mistakes. He took on a, a union in a very um, heavily union area. But at the same time, um, you have a, a union leader who um, got caught with his hands in the cookie jar, and not so much cookie jar, but definitely has fingerprints on these emails and um, is getting promoted as a result. Um, not the right message to be sending on a serious matter such as this. But at the same time, there was a recent study done. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, there was a recent study done, and it was found that it was quite. Um, possible and easy to hack into the voting machines. Um, 
Diebold voting machines can be hacked by remote control, one headline reads. Another headline read that you know, Diebold voting machines could be hacked by for just um, – you only need about $20 worth of equipment to do it. And um, it's, um, it's alarming. And so now to what extent you know, do we start looking at elections and start wondering to what extent is, is this email I'm getting from a candidate legitimate? And, or even more seriously, will my vote count? And it's one of the perils that we face as um, the Internet presents both opportunities and dangers. You know, online voting, for example. Um, you know, can that be hacked? And, you know, for, and more importantly, when we have this era of, China, of um, foreign influence, you know, in terms of penetrating our um, Internet and security systems, um, often thought to be from China or Russia, you know, if we had online voting, could they influence an election in that regard? Um, it's somewhat of an alarming possibility, but it's something that definitely needs to be addressed. Um, and so we are now in a new era. And um, one thing that's interesting, though, is that you know, people complain sometimes that they're getting spammed by a candidate. And one thing you should be aware of is that the Can Spam Act actually uh, exempts um, political um, activity. It only applies to commercial email. So a candidate can spam you all they want. Um, is it good politics? I would suggest not. But um, <laughs> it, it, you will expect to see lots and lots of email in the next next twelve months because um, we got you know, quite an election coming up. And um, so, um, and it's interesting that this happened in Rhode Island because you know Rhode Island is such a small state. It's Thanks for, for joining us. I'm sorry about the, the little song and dance as we tried to hook you up. Um, but um, we were just explaining a little bit about what happened in your case in, in Rhode Island. And um, very briefly, so this, everyone, this is Doug Leblinsky. He was a representative um, serving um, in the Rhode Island uh, State Assembly, uh, representing the area of what, Bristol, was it? Yeah, Bristol and a little bit of Warren, the adjacent town. And Bristol is famous for having the oldest Fourth of July parade in the country. Yes, um, it is. It's a waterside community, very pretty, pretty community. And um, but one thing Bristol has is a bridge, and like all bridges, there's the issues of upkeep. And um, and so, explain how the uh, the issue of the toll came up, and how you learned about your your new new support for a toll on the Bristol Bridge. <laughs> I, well, I, I started receiving uh, email correspondence from uh, whom I thought it was a constituent in the name of Walter Flatus. And, um, <laughs> and so I, I responded back and forth. He was asking me um, what my position was on the Monholt Bridge tolls, which had been taken away about, mm, I would say, 10 years ago. So I responded that I was uh, opposed to the tolls being reinstated, that uh, they had been on that bridge for you know, decades, and certainly the bridge was was paid for, and maintenance money should have been set aside, and la la la. And so, then I received an email back from Flattis after three or four responses back and forth, saying, "How can you say one thing one day and something else another day?" So I started scratching my head, say, "Well, did I did I conflict myself in my answer?" And I scroll down, and I see that there's an email from a Doug Jablinski with an I at the end of the the name. My name is spelled with an E at the end of the name. So I wrote Flattis back, and I said, something's wrong here. I don't have... Who is Flattis? Walter Flattis, 
Yes. Well, Walter Flatus is a uh, apparently a fictional character in a child's book, and it's a farting dog. <laughs> Completely unbeknownst to me. Uh, didn't ring a bell at all. My kids are in their late 20s. I haven't read a child's book in, in quite some time. <laughs> so I had no familiarity with, with uh, who that was, and I thought it was a constituent. So as it turns out, um, I, I, I thought that someone was misrepresenting my positions and had uh, undertaken my identity, Doug Jablinski, and was misrepresenting my public policy positions. I do not, have, do not have a personal email address. I have my company email address, and I had my state email address as a representative. And that's where the, these email exchanges took place, was on the representative site. I also received some, um, at, the, at the same time that that was going on, I became very concerned about that. I was in the middle of a heat, very heated um, primary election as a Democrat, and I was being challenged by um, the public employee unions who I had been going after since I got elected to the office for um, their unfair advantage they had gained at the political table uh, to the detriment of the overall general interest and the taxpayers. So I, I then got very concerned about this, what was going on, and I went to the police with these emails of someone purporting to be me, and they did a, um, they were able to get a uh, search warrant from a judge issued, and with, that resulted in the arrest of a fellow by the name of John Lidecker. I think his name is very interested with the let's underline lie, Decker. True. And he ends up being an assistant executive director of the NEA Rhode Island, the National Education Association of Rhode Island, which absolutely despised me because I was uh, after re education reform that was child-centered and, and really did not take into account the adults in the equation. So they absolutely hated me from the inside out and wanted me completely eradicated and out of that race and uh, out, of, out of that building. And they were successful in do that. They, they took me out in the 2010 election by 117 votes in the Democratic primary from a complete and virtual unknown in the town. And um, most of that had to do with the, with the unions, uh, many public employee unions, strong support for that unknown and unvetted um, candidate. So now that he's been convicted, has what is the union's position on on his promotion? And he has been promoted, right? He has such a they 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 are you know they they create their own problems. I mean, they didn't have to do what they did to me. They did it strictly because they thought they would get away with it. And one one thing I should add too is not only is Lidecker, um a high ranking official of the Rhode NEA, he's also an attorney, and he should have known better as an attorney and certainly should have given it due consideration as a professional, uh, never, never mind as an attorney. The reason Especially he did it... how he listened to the show. Mm -hmm, they, were, they were blinded by their hatred for me, uh, and just couldn't... They were just blinded by my being a Democrat and not supporting uh, the public employee union's efforts. They thought that I should just be in complete lockstep with that. And I am the furthest thing from a, a left-wing, liberal wingnut. I am as moderate a Democrat as they come, uh, and I do not believe in, in moving to the socialist side of things, which is where the liberal left-wing part of the Democratic Party is, uh, has moved to. So now we go to court. 
Uh, it goes takes on most of the summer, not every day, but you know one or two days a month for the summer. And the judge finally found um, Mr. Lydecker guilty. And this was at the district court level. Uh, I think they were shell shocked by that because they their defense was freedom of speech. And I would say that the founding fathers would be rolling in their grave to to know that Mr. Lydecker has tried to. Uh, get out of this by defending his actions as as freedom of speech. It was really uh, harassment in the in the modern age of computers and called cyber stalking, and that's what he was found guilty of, and that's what he is guilty of. They have appealed. A, they have appealed, appealed the um, the uh, case to the superior court, and in the meantime, to answer your question in a roundabout way, the NEA has rewarded him with a promotion and that he is now Deputy Director of the uh, National Education Association of Rhode Island. I would also add that during the court proceedings, th this is allowed to happen because of the uh, culture of thuggery that's allowed to happen within this union. It doesn't happen with many of the other public employee unions. Yes, they will come after you strong and hard, but above board. The NEA is dirty, and it's a poor reflection on the teachers out there who I think there is a huge disconnect between the teaching profession and those union leaders. However, to the degree that they don't step up and force change at their leadership level makes them equally guilty by omission in supporting what that union membership has done. And while I may not believe it, the case of the matter is unless they do something about it, they're thugs too. So you basically, I don't know if you've ever seen the movie On the Waterfront, you're basically hoping for a Terry Malloy from the teachers' union to step forward. I guess I have not seen that, and I don't know Terry Malloy. Tell me this uh, movie again so I can watch it. it. Oh, it's, uh, it's, it's actually one of the best, greatest movies of all time. It's Marlon Brando. Um, oh, yeah. he, he plays a, um, his brother's uh, kind of a, a union kind of a crook, and um, On the Waterfront, naturally given the title, and he mm -hmm. gets these cush jobs, and but then he sees someone get killed, and um, he starts dating her brother. I mean, her <laughs> he starts dating his, her his sister, mm -hmm. and um, he starts to see things differently. And mm -hmm. it was done by um, Elia Kazan, and it was often seen as a metaphor because Kazan um, testified before the House on American Activities Committee, and so a lot of people saw that the movie was a Kazan creating a metaphor for justifying his testimony before the House on American Activities Committee um, and, and naming names in Hollywood of, of you know, suspected communists because it really had made him a pariah in Hollywood. Mm -hmm. And so, uh, but it's, I, I've, you know, I'm a movie buff and it, I think it's one of the greatest of all time. Um, mm -hmm. Brando, got, Brando got an Oscar and um, Carl Malden, I think, was nominated for mm -hmm. that as well. Um, even Marie Saint got an Oscar and actually famously collected it nine months pregnant. <laughs> and, well, my uh, next uh, my next Netflix order will include On the Waterfront. I recommend it, but um, it just seems I, I, when you started talking about the union and then it, it really sounded similar the way you were characterizing it. Mm -hmm. Now, in the, the few minutes we have left, um, the the punishment is a, is a whopping what one hundred eighty five dollars. Uh, it was, uh, I guess, the maximum under the penalty of law is $500 fine um, and/or a year in jail. Well, you know, I, I've learned enough about the courts to know that they're extremely lenient with first-time offenders, regardless of the crime, short of, uh, you know, uh, first-degree murder or something. Um, and the gentleman, as I mentioned, is an attorney in good standing. Um, 
And so uh, the courts went very, very light on him. Maybe that's a mistake. Maybe, you know, it won't uh, stop someone else from doing it. But I I do think that he has suffered uh, tremendous um, professional um, insult as well as personal. Uh, he's been in the paper for this. He's been chastised for it. The talk radios are just, you know, killing him and beating him up. So he, he certainly is wounded uh, from this. Um, we only have but, a couple uh, minutes I, left, I, um, but yeah. I'd like to ask you, you know, well, do you see this as something that's going to re- recur in other states? And if so, what should we be doing to stop it? Or can we? Yeah. I'm, I'm told that uh, this is a precedent-setting case and that um, and the judge himself said he thought it was precedent-setting when he, when he made the decision and that it will be relied on by states across the country in trying to stop this kind of nonsense from going on or people think they can just, you know, fire pot shots at people and not be responsible for their actions. So I do see it having some uh, long-lasting effects um, throughout the country and, and to that degree, um, I'm glad it happened. For the most part, I wish it never had. It's been a huge uh, interruption to my life. Understand that, and I, I do appreciate you for being being on the show. And uh, sorry for the mix-up, but um, everyone, okay. there's Doug Lipinski. Now, where can people reach you if they want if you, if they want to look you up? Um, let me see. Uh, <laughs> it's funny to be using email addresses, you know, with this kind of thing. But um, hey, do you have a website? Yeah, I, I do, but it's my company website. So why don't I just give my personal, my business email address, which is sure. Doug at, it's Doug at A-P-P-R-A-I-S-E, the word appraise, and then an R-I after that. So appraise, R-I, dot, B as in boy, I, Z as in zebra. So it's not com, it's not org, it's not net, it's dot biz short for well, business. Well, Doug, thank you very much. Um, and the big lesson for everyone is you know, beware, far, beware of what? Farting dogs and, uh, <laughs> and cyber stalkers. Um, but right. thank you, Doug. I appreciate it. And it's definitely an interesting case and, and we'll be watching it as, uh, as it develops further. But I um, appreciate you having you on. And uh, this is all for Cyber Law and Business Report. I want to thank you all for joining us. I um, hope you join us next week. Uh, and we'll be back at the same time, same bat channel. This is Bennett Kelly with the Internet Law Center. Um, be sure to listen to listen for us on iTunes, where you can download podcasts such as these. And uh, until then, have a great week. Bye bye. Court is adjourned. Save big on brunch for mom. All in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for one twenty nine each. Then get flavorful Tyson natural boneless chicken breasts for two forty nine a pound. All with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.